Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of March 16th, 2021, and this is officially episode number 471, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and uh, feel free, join us in the chat room. Chat room is free, absolutely free, uh, ad-free, argument-free. Um, a lot of people in there and uh we always we always got plenty of room for extra people so you can go to paranormalking.com you can find the the chat room and live listen link there you can also go to paranewsinsider.com you'll find the links there on the right hand side as well to join us and chat got a lot of pictures to share tonight with uh, a lot of news happening all over the world crazy scary spooky zany interdimensional all kinds of weird stuff happening all over the earth that we're going to talk about tonight's a um yeah kind of a it's a weird night so it's tuesday as we're live here on the show on march 16th um and i, I guess i had an email that somebody asked me well, i don't understand why you do a show on tuesday well first of all there's only seven days of the week and i gotta choose one uh tuesdays i like because a lot of news gestates over the weekend, and it starts to get disseminated on Mondays. So getting it together and being able to bring it to you on a Tuesday is a lot easier. I've done this show before years ago on a, a Monday, and it was kind of difficult. I want to say I've done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I've done every day of the week on this show since 2008. Uh, I've been on a, a variety of networks over the years. Um, AM stations, uh, you name it. Oh, geez, I couldn't couldn't even tell you half the half the places this show's been. But I prefer Tuesdays. It's just so much easier news-wise. And uh, yeah, you know Mondays. Mondays are just horrible for anybody that has like a normal job. I don't have a normal job. I work weekends, holidays, all that stuff. So today's a weird day. Tuesday, yesterday was the Ides of March, I don't know if anybody actually observes that or not. Uh, and tomorrow, obviously, St. Patrick's Day, where you're green. So it's funny, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I don't get it. Um, I have very little Irish in my family, probably more English than Irish. So, eh, still, you know, I've knocked back quite a few green beers in my days. So I guess, yeah, everybody's Irish. On St. Patrick's Day, but be careful out there. Uh, it's cool that well, I think there's actually going to be some uh, uh, some actual stuff happening. Versus last year, everything was shut down. The bars were shut down in Ireland. <sighs> there were no uh, you know, no parades or anything like that. So look look forward to that for tomorrow. Granted, I, I got to work. I got to work late tomorrow. But anyway, enjoy it tomorrow, folks. In case I forget to tell you later on. So tonight, like I mentioned, we've got news from all over the world. Uh, I do have one update as far as paranormal conferences and conventions are concerned. Uh, I saw a new announcement for the Upper Cumberland Bigfoot Festival. That's taking place October 16th in Crossville, Tennessee. And uh, they've locked in. Their first three guests, which are going to be Animal Planets, Finding Bigfoot, uh, TV show uh, Cliff Berkman, Matt Moneymaker, and Bobo. I guess I don't want the girl there, but uh, that's okay. Uh, the big three will be there in attendance. Uh, Cliff's a great guy. I don't know if I've talked about that before. He's really down to earth. Great guy to talk to and talk shop with. Uh, never met Matt. Never met Bobo either. Um, but I hear Bobo is the same way. He's down to earth. Great guy. So again, the upper Cumberland Bigfoot festival, October 16th in Crossville, Tennessee. And 
There's plenty of other events. I updated it yesterday on the uh, the website, paranewsinsider.com. There's a whole list of conferences, conventions. I try to keep up, up to date with it, but, uh, you know, with COVID and shutdowns and different things going on, it's, it gets a little sketchy. Last year, I, I still have nightmares about last year having to, to update this thing, spent hours and hours during the week. I was almost like a full-time job updating this thing. So I'm, I'm just kind of glancing as we get closer to these things to, to see whether or not these things are still on or not. And right now there's a, a ton in the ghost field. Uh, just generally not too many of the UFO field. I've not seen too many uh, MUFON events. I got a couple of them on here for UFOs and cryptozoology is uh, generally gets pretty big as the year wears on. So all year stuff ghosts. It seems like it's funny. It's kind of, you'll have the uh, dead of winter festival always in, in January or February in Alton, Illinois. Then it kind of rolls. You have a few in February, then like April just blows up and then it's, it just kind of uh, a few here and there. And then towards the fall, it gets, it gets bigger. I don't know this year. I'm looking at it. It's kind of spread out pretty evenly. Um, so question in chat, have you done any Bigfoot investigations? Well, I've done plenty of Bigfoot investigations. Um, obviously, I wrote a book on Bigfoot stuff. Well, not just Bigfoot, but cryptozoology. I've done a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Um, probably not my favorite thing as far as cryptozoology. It might be shocking to hear that, but uh, Bigfoot uh, hung out with the, uh, the Pennsylvania Bigfoot couple different pennsylvania bigfoot groups um pa bigfoot society uh, pennsylvania cryptozoology society and uh, ohio really uh, ohio is really tough i try to get involved in a group here in ohio a number of them actually and they're all pretty standoffish which is kind of weird uh, so i started my own group that's what you do if you can't join them you beat them with sharp sticks um but yeah, I've spent plenty of time out in the woods. Uh, been to South Florida, Washington State. Uh, really not the entire intention of Bigfoot investigation, but a lot of research out there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've spent uh, quite a bit of time in the woods here in Ohio and Pennsylvania looking for different things. And of course, cases, following up on uh, eyewitness accounts, which we've had actually a few up the street from where I live. Uh, plenty in Southern Ohio, uh, plenty around where I actually work right now uh, over the course of the last 20, 30 some odd years. And I've actually taken my kayak out and looked for sign along the river, uh, rivers and lakes down here. There's a lake in particular, uh, a reservoir that I'm not too far away from that the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization uh, is basically there all the time. So I've uh, kind of trekked that out as well uh anyway moving along speaking of cryptozoology let's jump into the cryptid news i think that's a good segue it's a decent segue probably one of the better ones i've had in quite a while so cryptid news a couple of years ago i think it's been two years now since the big alligator uh drama that uh i i don't know i think i was kind of bored and I, I saw a few stories the next thing i know it was uh we had the Chicago big, or the Chicago alligator. Now you got Bigfoot on my brain. Uh, the big Chicago alligator sighting that uh, took the world by storm. And you know, last year was kind of. I mean, last year was 2020. That's all you got to say. Uh, not a whole lot of reports of alligators, American alligators, uh, appearing in the eastern United States. It was a handful, but not as many as two years ago. And again, these are all escaped were abandoned exotic pets. I'm not saying that these things are, are crawling up our river systems or are walking over land and, and moving up to um, Maine or anything like that or Pennsylvania or going out east or uh, out west to like Kansas or anything like that. Uh, people are buying these things and letting them loose when they get too big. They try to raise them uh, in their bedroom and then they throw them in the bathtub and uh, it's not fun when you're trying to take a shower with a three-foot alligator. And then, of course, uh, they reach generally what we see out there with these stories. It seems like they're all around three foot long. 
give or take. So about three years old, they grow about a foot a year. So about three years old or three feet long, that's when they start getting dangerous. Not deadly, but dangerous. And that's when people generally uh, toss these things, unfortunately, into the, the rivers and lakes. And sometimes, especially during the summer, these things are still alive for a little while and people see them. Uh, not fun, especially the bigger ones. Um, and this year, uh, I think last year we had uh, some pretty early in the year. Uh, this year we had to wait till March. So yeah, we've had our first one this year in early March. And this one was in Kansas, of all places. Uh, Kansas Department of Transportation employee was working on the riverbank of the Nineska River when he saw an alligator laying on the bank. Uh, he could tell the alligator was deceased, uh, unfortunately. The three-foot-long alligator, there it is, uh, was estimated to be about three years old. Again, about a foot a year. When they hit three years old, three feet long, they're, they're dangerous. And they would kill a, a small dog, small animals, maybe small children. Not until they're, they're about five years old do you have to worry about, uh, as an adult, um, them killing you. And they can't hurt you, even at three foot long. Uh, and again, this was more than likely dumped by its owner. It just got too big or too expensive to care for anymore. And uh, do have a picture of this this alligator. It's not gruesome or anything like that. It's not missing the head or, or nothing like that. Um, but they use it as an educational piece, which I, I do admire. I think it's the smart thing to do. Uh, Kansas... Uh, what is it? What did I say? The Department of Transportation. Uh, they use that as an educational piece, uh, saying that they might be cute as babies, but they're going to grow up to be dangerous predators. And, you know, they get expensive to feed and they take up a lot of area and they get a little feisty. You know, unless you've got a yacht to, to tie it up with a chain like Don Johnson did on Miami Vice back in the 80s, uh, you're out of luck. I mean, they take up they take up the Bigfoot or the Bigfoot, the bathtub at three, you know, three years old. What are you going to do with them after that? Put them in the backyard. They don't do well in the cold. Um, yeah, just it's not smart. Just don't dispose of them into the environment, especially somewhere like Kansas. Uh, it's pretty much a death sentence that no creature deserves, except maybe the person that did it. I don't know. Uh, a lot of states will come out and uh, they'll take these animals. So if you call them up and say, hey, uh, I'd like to surrender. I have an alligator. I need to surrender it. Uh, I can't take care of it and I don't want to do anything bad. Uh, a lot of states will allow you to, um, you know, just give these things away. They'll come and take them. Even though it's expensive, they do have to uh, house them and transport them and all that. But it's generally, uh, they're not going to press charges. It's they're going to ask questions. It's not no questions asked, but they're not going to uh, press charges or force you to pay for anything. It's it's better uh, for you to surrender than for you to dump. And like I said, it's these alligators become dangerous at three years old. So if you throw these things into a lake in the middle of summer, uh, which we've heard, uh, Lake Michigan, a couple of them were found years ago. Uh, there was a giant uh, five-foot-long crocodile found where kids were swimming here in Ohio a couple of years ago. Uh, very dangerous situations that you're putting people in. And again, even a small one, it can grow a little bit or it can attack a, a dog or even a person and injure them uh, severely. Plus, when the weather gets cold, uh, eventually that alligator will just su succumb to the cold. So don't do that. Don't Don't dispose of these alligators been talking about this for years now don't do it it's not fair for the alligators uh, but bigfoot back to bigfoot i keep keep saying bigfoot so bigfoot this next story is uh i don't know a little difficult for me uh, i'm not a really big fan of this stuff but um it's bigfoot's a pretty difficult creature to track down you'd think it would be really really easy to track down a creature that's, uh, you know, six to eight feet tall, five, six hundred plus pounds, traipsing through the woods. You think it would be pretty simple to find a creature. I mean, we find deer uh, all the time that are, 
you know, what, 80 to 120 pounds at most, skinny little feet. Oh, we find them everywhere. Uh, we can even track birds. But Bigfoot, you'd think it'd be easy. We can't find him anywhere unless he's on a commercial on TV. Uh, granted, yeah, there's a lot of witnesses. A lot of people see um, this creature here and there all over the United States, pretty much all over the world in different variations. Uh, people see it. And they describe it. But what about the physical evidence? Yeah, we do have footprints. A lot of times uh, people will say we're following these footprints and they just disappear. Uh, I believe the Patterson-Gimlin film, uh, when they were tracking, they were tracking the Bigfoot after the film was taken, and those tracks also just disappeared. Um, so this, with a sign disappearing, tracks disappearing, um, it's led to a popular hypothesis that's kind of evolved over time. Uh, it's not new by any stretch of the imagination. This stretches all the way back, probably to the 60s, that... A Bigfoot might be able to travel between dimensions or might even be an alien. And I guess it's whatever you want to believe. And uh, I've seen some heated arguments over this uh, in my years of hanging out at uh, paranormal conferences, conventions, speaking at conferences and conventions. People ask me, well, generally ask this question if I'm talking about Bigfoot. Uh, it usually comes up almost every time. If not in front of a crowd, it's in person. Somebody's going to ask me about it or, you know, uh, say that, oh, man, I believe it's interdimensional. You can travel because we can't find them. Makes sense. It's, it's, you know, it's the least common denominator to say, well, you know, we can't find it because he's zapping in and out of existence, traveling faster than the speed of light. He's He's getting... Uh, beamed up by Scotty, whatever. We don't know. So Trey Hudson, who is the director of the Oxford Paranormal Society, he's also served in the U.S. military in Afghanistan as uh, operations and counterterrorism officer. I uh, had a recent interview with the Daily Star, the Daily Rag, you want to just wad up and throw in the trash. The Daily Star uh, to talk about this very subject of uh, Bigfoot being an interdimensional creature. You know, so you have the, the interdimensional potential alien people. And then you got the Bigfoot as a flesh and blood uh, variation of some sort of humanoid. Maybe a Gigantopithecus or some other... Maybe a offspring of Neanderthal. Who knows? But, you know, you have those two camps and they never agree on anything, it seems like. Uh, in his interview, he discussed an incident uh, that he had while investigating an area that he calls a top secret location that's only known as the Meadow. The Meadow. Pretty cool name. Uh, of the incident that happened... To one of his teammates, he said, quote, at about 2 or 3 a.m. that evening, that would be in the morning, uh, he saw a white humanoid shape peering around a tree watching our camp. He went to get one of our team members who has a very sensitive piece of thermal equipment, a very expensive FLIR unit, to see if she could detect the heat signature of this being and by the time she woke up and gathered her wits and equipment and got out there, the entity or being was gone, unquote. Ah, boy. So a lot to unpack with that paragraph. Um, two or three a.m. You know, people always think the woods are dark. You know, you see Finding Bigfoot, they always, you know, shoot with that uh, infrared stuff. Or not infrared, but, uh, you know, they got the green light and all, all that. Look, oh, look how dark it is. I don't know about anybody else, but when I go out, uh, I try not to go out hiking too much in the dark because it is dangerous. You can trip and fall over stuff. And some nocturnal animals aren't so fun. And uh, nothing like stepping on a porcupine. 
So traveling during the day is a little bit easier. You're not gonna. It's a lot easier to to see a bear, or hear a bear, uh, versus at night. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of traveling at night. But if I need to, and I've demonstrated this at different uh, Bigfoot uh, gatherings where you go out and people hike around. Everyone's got the headlights or the the lights on their forehead and giant lights. Uh, you know, everyone's got a, a flashlight. It's like, no, turn them off. Like, you can literally see in the dark. It's not that any ambient light from nearby cities is pretty much enough to light up the woods, enough that you can navigate. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see into the woods, but at least you can move around a little bit. Uh, but when you're looking into the woods, it's pretty dark. I don't know how far you're going to see a, a, a white shape peering around a tree. Uh, unless you've got a campfire going, you have some sort of illumination going out into the woods. And I think everybody knows what a FLIR unit is. None of them are cheap, by the way. They're all pretty expensive. And they they are sensitive, but it depends on what setting you have it on to. And I'm, I'm amazed. Somebody with a FLIR that's out looking for Bigfoot would be scared to use their equipment uh it's just it's mind-boggling it's like these ghost investigators that freak out and run at the first sound they hear like scooby-doo i don't get it that's what you're here for it's what you train for put your big boy pants on and, and uh head out there attack it head on that's what you're there for it's what you're trained for it's what you read the books that's what you did the radio interviews that's what your matching shirts are for to get some evidence, get your, get out there, see this stuff. Don't be a baby. Um, but yeah, the Bigfoot was gone. This entity just disappeared. So what led the team to think that maybe Bigfoot just disappeared? Well, they said there was no trace of the creature when they went to the spot they thought the creature was standing in. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Trey said, quote, we went to the area where we had seen this, uh, Looking for any disturbed vegetation, scuff marks, if the bark on the tree was disturbed. And we could find no evidence this creature was there in any physical form, unquote. So, I don't know. Creature peering around a tree, was it, was it chewing on the tree? How would it disturb the bark? How would you know? Um, vegetation, sometimes. Uh, if you know what you're doing, you don't, sometimes you're not going to do that. Some some animals like deer and uh, other creatures, they just walk through stuff. They don't care. They just trample everything. And vegetation will be you know, moved or broken or bent until they uh, eventually will move back to their pre-disturbed area. Um, but maybe there was nothing there to begin with. So, I don't know. That's That's kind of what I'm thinking. And doesn't mean just because something was there that you're going to find evidence. Nothing, not everything leaves obvious sign behind, especially something if it's intelligent, it probably wouldn't anyway. Um, but it also depends. There's a lot of factors that depend on this stuff. Uh, so on what he thinks about Bigfoot being an interdimensional traveler, he expanded by saying, quote, Human beings have these amazing abilities to transcend our three-dimensional nature so we can actually project ourselves, our thought form, into another dimension. It's not that reasonable to think that maybe Bigfoot and other animals also have these abilities. Maybe their abilities are either on par or exceed our abilities, and they can eke in and out of existence at will. Is Bigfoot flesh and blood? I think, yes. Is Bigfoot maybe paranormal? Maybe the answer once again is yes. Is Bigfoot transdimensional? Once again, maybe the answer is yes. Unquote. Well, transdimensional and interdimensional aren't exactly... I guess they're pretty close, but transdimensional kind of gives an alien kind of definition there. Um... So there, he's trying to tie the two theories together, flesh and blood creature versus an interdimensional creature. And a lot of these people think that 
people see are seeing a Bigfoot, but they're not actually there. They're just uh, kind of a hallucination because they're coming in and out of dimensions. Uh, so I, I don't I don't know. I don't know, and I, I'm kind of confused. I think he's talking about astral projection at the beginning of that. I mean, I've heard some compelling stories for it, uh, some really interesting things I've, I've heard people say. But it's not something humans are capable of doing. Trust me, if I could, if I could astral project, I would project myself to work, and I would sit here and work on the show or watch TV or something else and let my other self uh, do something. Yeah, most reports of Bigfoot being interdimensional or transdimensional by researchers come from uh, when the tracks or other signs just disappear instead of continuing on. And this is a normal thing. Any Anybody who goes and tracks, you know, they were talking about how they were pretty much expert trackers. I mean, anybody who tracks anything knows uh, that when the landscape changes, so will that new environment's ability to hold sign the same as the previous one. So you know when you go from a, a canopy to a more open air area to a field or to a, a meadow, uh, it's going to change the way those tracks are. When you're going to, from shade to sun, uh, you're going from uh, the ground pointing to a different direction, the, you know, the sun, you're going from east to west. Everything has an effect on the environment and its ability to hold signs such as tracks, even bent and broken branches will heal better in certain conditions versus others. Uh, sun, open air, canopy, elevation, all these things contribute to what you'll be able to find. Uh, but I guess it's, it's easier to blame something that we can't explain or just write it off. Um, seems kind of fishy and you, you know, I, you wonder why this story uh, became or was in here. I couldn't find any other uh, article that, uh, other than this particular one. Usually it's it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, I generally like to read at least one or two, find the original source. Uh, but the Daily Star article was the only one I could find on this. Uh, so apparently they went right to the Daily Star. And uh, it didn't take too long to, to figure out how or why. Uh, because apparently back in September, Trey uh, published a book titled The Meadow Project Explorations into the South Skinwalker Ranch, which is available on Amazon and other booksellers. Uh, so what they have here is their own area for research and investigation. Apparently that it's private property or something that nobody else has access to and all these strange things must happen here. So uh, kudos to them. Uh, but, you know, white Bigfoot, this interdimensional stuff, uh, it just, I don't know. It seems a pretty weak story to me. Um, but uh, Hey, anything to sell a book, I get it. You got to sell your books. Um, but again, it's, it's not a, a new hypothesis about this. Um, a good friend of mine, great researcher out of Pennsylvania, Stan Gordon, uh, actually wrote a book about that, essentially tying uh, not just Bigfoot to being interdimensional, but uh, uh, tied to UFO sightings as well in Pennsylvania, especially in the 1970s. Uh, so there was some, some compelling witness statements about this, but... You know, that's about all you have really with Bigfoot sightings is just witness statements. And how far would you go? So Stan Gordon's books are all based on his personal investigations. Uh, the guy is very thorough. He documents everything. Uh, he had a 800 number. Uh, actually, no, it was just a regular phone number in the area in, in uh, uh, southwest Pennsylvania. For a number of years, I think it's still going. And he's, you know, worked with MUFON. He was, uh, I think, he was a state director for a while. Uh, excellent researcher. Uh, does it old school. Phone calls, following up. Uh, but he takes lots of notes, documents everything, and the guy is just—he remembers everything. He can tell you every 
a date or a time or a location or a person uh, about several different cases when you ask him a question about something. Uh, he's helped me with a lot of research over the years, uh, different topics, different things I was looking into, either research or actual investigation. Uh, but all his stuff is legit. It's all it's all nonfiction. It's all his work. I mean, it could be fiction on the part of the witness, but uh, he he investigates, has been investigating for gosh, fifty years plus, something like that, five decades longer, so maybe six decades. I mean, he's his work spans decades. I guess since the nineteen sixties, he's been investigating stuff. So Kecksburg incident, he was there for that. Uh, on through. Uh, the 70s with the in the heyday of Bigfoot sightings. But I'll tell you, um, one of the reasons why I keep in touch with the, the PA uh, bunch, the PA group, the PA uh, researchers out there, there's a, a ton of excellent researchers in that part of Pennsylvania and western Pennsylvania. But there's also a ton of sightings. Uh, so, you know, having those sightings, you got to have good investigators. And they, they have a, a, a great group of people out there that investigate. Not... Not a whole lot happens here in Ohio. It's, it's kind of hit and miss, to be honest. And I think that the heydays of Ohio Bigfoot sightings are, are pretty much behind us. I think that was 70s and 80s. And there's really not been that much in the last uh, 30 years or so really here in Ohio. But, um, yeah, Stan Gordon is, is known as a UFO guy. But trust me, he does a, a lot of cryptozoological uh, research. Some ghost stuff as well. But uh, his focus is generally... On UFOs, but he he tuck your ear off about Bigfoot any day. Trust me. Uh, so uh, valuable resource. Other investigators, guys like Stan Gordon, great resources. Uh, you got to have trusted sources when you're a researcher. You're an investigator, and you you need knowledge. You need information. Uh, we, we talked about uh, the Daily Star, some of those uh, newspapers, maybe not so much trusted sources. They pretty much print what people tell them to print. Hey, I want five bucks. Here's a story. Yes, Stan Gordon is in Pennsylvania. I think uh, was it Greensboro? Kind of so north, north east of Pittsburgh, pretty much in that area. If you're looking at a map. Um, so yeah, trusted sources. Uh, what about Facebook? Is Facebook a trusted source? Of course not. I can hear everybody laughing. So yeah, Facebook, uh, not pretty high up on everyone's list of trusted sources. It shouldn't be. Uh, some For some people, I think that's where they get all their news from. Uh, so on March 3rd, an alert purportedly issued by the Kentucky Department of Fish, Fish and Wildlife uh, picked up steam on Facebook as it was shared hundreds of times. Not the first time we've heard this. You're saying to yourself, this sounds familiar. Did he Did he just talk about this? Yes, we did. Uh, the Public Service Bulletin stated that due to heavy rain and flooding, Sasquatches, I'm all for the plural of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, singular, plural, no, no S, no ES, no, none of that stuff. We don't need that. Uh, but the sign says Sasquatches have been sighted coming from the woodlands to the lakes, rivers, and other waterways to feed on fish, crawdads, vegetation, and other food sources. It also said not to be alarmed, remain calm, and gave a list of things to do and not to do if you encounter one. The bulletin ended with the uh, stating that Sasquatches are not aggressive, nor will they harm you. Uh, while many hopefully knew this was just a joke, uh, there seemed to actually be an alarming number of people who actually took this seriously and were wondering, is it safe to go out in the woods? And I'm amazed every time this happens, you have a, a small percentage of people you have a lot of bigfoot investigators and researchers that get all excited about these things and uh, say yeah there's a cover-up where yeah the government's actually going to they're admitting that bigfoot's in the in the woods and a lot of people freak out about it but um these are not true uh, kevin kelly chief communications officer at the department of fish and wildlife resources 
was reached by a website called Lead Stories via email about the bulletin. So Lead Stories is a, a fact check website. It's a pretty reliable source that I've used. Um, you know, a lot of people have given up on some of the other fact checking websites. Uh, it also serves as a third party Facebook fact checking partner, which is another reason why I like to use it. Uh, Kelly stated, quote, this fake alert has been making the rounds on Facebook in recent days, mostly by individuals. It's not an official release from the department and did not originate from the department, to my knowledge. A police department in northern Kentucky posted this alert yesterday on its Facebook page and presented it as a release. We quickly reached out to the police department through Messenger and respectfully requested its removal. Uh, the police department took down the post soon after, unquote. Yikes. So when a police department, you would think would do research and uh, investigations into things, they're passing this off as a real thing. Granted, uh, the alert has the, the logo and everything, so I, I guess maybe I could have fooled people a little bit. But, uh, yeah, do your fact-checking. And, you know, passing this stuff around, knowing it's not real, that doesn't help when you're just sharing it to be in with the cool kids. Uh, it doesn't help you. It's not going to get you a better uh, seat at the lunch table or on the bus or anything like that. Just, just don't do it. Don't give in to peer pressure. Be your own self. Maintain your page. Your page isn't for other people to dispose their trash on. So last year, a Sasquatch alert made the rounds purportedly warning people in the Kettle Moraine area of Wisconsin that Sasquatch had been sighted. Uh, it was at least the second time that that one went viral. Uh, I think that one stretches all the way back. I, I forget. The last time, it was last fall that we talked about that. And I did some research on it, when that originated, who originated it. Um, my goodness. Similar posters have been found just in the last few years, four or five years in Washington State, Illinois, Montana, California, and probably a lot of other places that uh, that I haven't seen or haven't heard of. And uh, believe it or not, Facebook, well, and Pinterest is also up there as the uh, most guilty social media platforms that these things have been shared on throughout the years. I mean, at least Pinterest is just a bulletin board. You could take it or leave it. But Facebook, I mean, people see stuff on Facebook, man. It's real. It's got to be real. It's on Facebook. It's not a commercial. I think so. Anyway, that's enough for uh, cryptid news. I don't get mad about these alerts. Like, stop doing it. You know, it's it's criminal. Especially if you're posting them, which uh, some of these have been posted in national parks, state parks, local parks. That's got to be illegal. Don't do it, especially when you're you're faking an actual bulletin. Anyway, UFO news. So a uh, great thing in the chat room I wanted to talk about. Uh, haven't had a, a story really to talk about. I haven't mentioned MUFON in a while. So MUFON no longer publicly puts out their uh, sighting statistics. They've gotten a little evil. They want me to pay for it, and I'm not doing that. Uh, so no more MUFON statistics. Um, kind of traded emails off with a few people and uh, can't get a hold of these anymore. Granted, most of the people that I knew that were inside of MUFON are gone. They left uh, over the last few years. Uh, I know I don't. I'm not paying for it anymore. Uh, MUFON is on its way out anyway. Uh, they moved their headquarters from Colorado back to uh, Cincinnati recently. And that's where the director is at anyway. And uh, I, I don't know. I think its days are numbered, to be honest. It's it's pretty sad when uh, New Fork, which is only essentially two people, it's one guy uh, behind a phone and one guy behind a website, uh, gets more media attention than MUFON, which is a ginormous uh, group that exists all over the world. And, uh, you know, not not getting attention. Uh, and I've talked to people from MUFON um, over the years about this. Like, they're, 
you, you can't just talk about some of these cases. You, you got to get out in the media. You got to release stuff. You, you got to get people's interest in these stories or you're just a secret. It's just something swept under the carpet. N- nobody, nobody knows about it. You can't keep it just between friends or, uh, you know, just a website that you hope somebody stumbles across. You, you got to get it out there. You got to talk about these cases. You got to talk about statistics. Um, you got to do something. And yeah, if I had the time and I had the resources, I have a, a different way I'd like to do things. If I was running MUFON, I would start over, start from scratch. Um, there is, there's no way they don't know what the left hand is doing. The right hand is doing. They don't know what the States are doing and the individual investigators are doing anymore. Uh, I don't think they ever really did. You got some really good state um, state directors out there and you have other ones that are not so good. And I think you need to kind of decentralize stuff a little bit more. Uh, there needs to be more of a hands-on approach with these investigators. Uh, maybe a lot less of them. I know that sounds crazy, uh, but you get too many people that waters it down. And I'll tell you, their, their manual, their investigation manual is, is excellent. But I'm telling you, none of the researchers investigate that way at all. I know it's kind of harsh, but um, yeah, I've thought about it, throwing my hat in the ring and 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 doing something. But uh, at least these UFO stati- these sightings are kind of tied together. But Mufon making it a secret, making to pay for the information, uh, that's not going to work. It's going to be your downfall. And again, there's too many people in that organization that all want a piece of that, uh, you know, that yearly uh, registration. And that's that's when things go south. And, you know, kudos to them. MUFON is one of the only organizations really to survive since the, you know, the 1980s when the Condon Report came and, and pretty much wiped out every single UFO group. There used to be a lot of groups like MUFON out there. But uh, MUFON is really one of the last surviving uh, larger organizations. And it's really a, a shadow of its former self, to be honest. And um, eventually will collapse in on itself or, uh, you know, when I said last year when their director was arrested for child pornography, that was the beginning of the end. So, yeah, I'm not paying for the uh, the yearly whatever it is. I don't even know what it is anymore. I could still save 10 percent, but whoopie do. Um, it's it's just crazy. I, I don't even know. And they lost they lost my faith in that organization years ago with a lot of stuff that was happening that I didn't agree with, I didn't think was right, and letting politics run. Politics and money run that organization, and that dictates what happens. And, you know, all the way down through their events where they pretty much tell people what to think in their organization, which I don't think is is right anyway, and they have some really weird beliefs as an organization – and if you don't agree with it, then you find yourself on the outside looking in. Um, years ago, I, I, I kind of wanted to move forward with MUFON and get work my way in and try to move my way up. And um, I don't think I don't think I'd want to be a, a part of that organization anymore, to be honest. I don't even want to pay for a membership. Anyway, enough of my MUFON bashing for this week. Uh, let's move to uh, SpaceX, the UFO news, uh, a big. I don't know how big. It's a pretty big story. Uh, sporadically all through the East Coast over the weekend. Uh, Starlink satellites. We've talked about it before. Dozens of times. Starlink satellites seen uh, from the ground. Been responsible for a number of UFO sightings since it began being deposited into Earth's atmosphere in heavy numbers in 2019. Uh, they were experimented uh, there was uh, some early ones back uh, 2018. It was just a handful of them. Uh, but it's only been recently, so 2019, that they've been uh, tossed up there in large numbers, 50, 60 at a time. Uh, but the rockets that launch the satellites, uh, we've also talked about these every now and again in the news uh, over the last uh, five, six years or so. Uh, they've also received a number of UFO sightings and descriptions of a meteor or of a UFO crashing to Earth. Uh, so early Sunday morning, and this is uh, kind of thanks to the time change, apparently. 
just after 6 a.m., a number of residents in New Jersey reported seeing a large plume of white in the sky. I got a pretty cool picture of that. So, again, if you're not in the chat room, you're missing out. Got a couple more pictures to share with you. Uh, let's do this one first. This one's pretty pretty interesting. So, here's a ginormous picture in chat. Uh, so, Daniel Lucas. Daniel Lucas uh, provided a spectacular image of the object. She was actually on a boardwalk near the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, this uh, literally appeared and disappeared within seconds. So she was in the right place at the right time. Uh, she wasn't the only one taking pictures and putting this on social media. Social media, as it does, erupted with similar images and videos at different uh, vantage points and distances of the uh, strange object. And, uh, of course, the speculation went into overdrive. Uh, the timing allowed for a number of websites to launch headlines of their own, proclaiming that a UFO had been seen in the skies. You know, early morning, uh, they're trying to figure out what they're going to talk about, what they're going to push. And, uh, of course, there's quite a few that were talking about UFOs before they could correct it. Some of them never did correct it. Uh, so here's one here that says UFO sighted over the Lehigh Valley in Berks County. Which is, uh, you know, another picture. And I, I tell you, you know, I've never seen one of these rockets uh, launched like this. But I tell you, from I've talked to a few people that have actually seen these, and they say it's just, it's just super scary how big they look, and how much of the sky it actually takes up, and you can almost like you feel it and you hear it because it's just so huge and it's overwhelming. Um. And I, I guess if you don't know what it is, it'd probably be pretty scary, I suppose. Um, uh, but the good thing about this being early morning was also the fact, not just that the uh, social media was a little slow, uh, but it did pick up in the morning. But it didn't take too long for authorities to figure it out that the reason for the large plume seen in the sky was, uh, in fact, SpaceX's Falcon 9 Starlink 21 Michigan, 21 mission that took off at 6.01 a.m. Uh, so with the rocket climbing in the eastern sky, the rising sun illuminated the smoke and the craft, giving a beautiful glimpse of this rocket. Uh, so residents in New Jersey, Maryland, Virginia, pretty much a good chunk of the east coast got to see this early morning display. And it didn't last very long. So if you weren't paying attention, it was gone. Generally, uh, people in Florida will see this. Uh, but uh, Virginia has the, the Wallops base where they routinely launch rockets from there as well. So uh, sometimes they see stuff there. And some people are will comment, well, well that rocket looks like it's going sideways. It's, it's just perspective. And rockets don't really go straight up in the air. It's harder to uh, evade um, gravity that way versus going into the into the motion of the the Earth moving, so it's a lot easier to escape velocity. Uh, not to mention it's deploying satellites, so going straight up would probably demolish everything coming out of that payload. Trust me, Elon knows what he's doing. This guy launched the Tesla in space for crying out loud. Uh, these rockets, you know, when they launch them, they land right on these moving targets in the ocean. It's just incredible how technology has changed uh, even in the last five or 10 years compared to what we thought we were going to be dealing with uh, when I was younger. So a sad piece of this news, uh, when I was reading through some of these stories on the coverage of these uh, sightings all of, up and down the East Coast, is that now Starlink satellites make up for well over a third of all satellites currently in orbit. And that number is only going to get bigger. And eventually it's going to be half. And it's going to be a majority uh, pretty soon. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Seems like, you know, question in chat is, uh, 
you know, I could see why people think it's a UFO if they've never seen a launch before. But uh, people in Florida who see launches constantly, been launching rockets there for years, decades. People still report UFOs from these rocket launches. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, so another UFO story, and another one from the uh, We've Heard This Same Story Before file. Not the round file. Eh, it might be the round file. Uh, Stephanie Marsden was driving along a road in Derbyshire in England back on February 27th. So hello to my English fans, my UK fans out there listening to the show. Uh, she stopped to take a photograph of the bright moon while driving her vehicle. And of course, when she returned home and reviewed the photograph, she was stunned to see a giant UFO in the picture. She had not seen the object when she took the picture. That's how they do it, man. They just sneak up on you. You're not paying attention. And poof, there it is. There's that whoop, there it is. I don't know. So in chat, there's a picture of this. You can see um, kind of to the right, you see the moon. To the left, you see some houses. And at the top, you see what is purportedly a UFO. It's actually a little bit blurry. I've kind of looked at it, uh, zoomed in to try to figure out what that was. And, and lower right, you can see a, a light, probably a street lamp. And you can see some lens flare coming off of that as well, which is what that green dot is, kind of center left. And they're up in the upper left-hand corner is a little bit of residual from a lens flare. Um, so she went to the expert there in the United Kingdom, Nick Pope, who is the former UFO researcher for the Ministry of Defense, the MOD. Uh, so he was contacted about the photograph. He essentially said what uh, a lot of people had already said uh, since the story broke. And I didn't think it was a big deal. Was, uh, these are a dime a dozen. I've seen these. You see, you'll probably see about five or six more this year uh, if you pay attention. I, I don't usually talk about these because I think they're it's, it's pretty silly. Uh, but this one got Nick Pope's attention, and he actually commented on it, which is pretty cool. Uh, so he says that it appears to be a reflection from inside of the vehicle as the photo was taken through the windshield. Now, Stephanie states this is not possible since she had the engine turned off and none of the lights were on in the car. She also says that she tried to replicate the photograph but did not get the object to appear when she tried it. Uh, these are good points. Um but not enough to prove this was a UFO flying through the sky. Now, from the photograph, again, you can see a bright street light, and even the moon there at that angle would uh, really light up the interior of a car and would be enough to create a, a reflection of an object on the glass. And again, the big clue here is when somebody says they did not see anything at the time of the photo, uh, you probably won't because it's a reflection. And again, we've seen dozens of these over the years. I've seen some uh, rather convincing ones. I've seen some rather silly ones of like a tachometer, and you can see the needle. And again, I would never, ever trust any photograph taken through any type of glass. And I've seen them before, seen them again, seen them a million times. I've seen books that have had photographs published in them that have lights in the sky. Uh, these were later found actually some of these were specific light fixtures that people figured out what they were, where they were for sale for, uh, reflected off of the glass. And uh, apparently they did look at the picture. They did look at the uh, exif information, and this photograph was not doctored, not changed. Uh, all the uh, exif information was intact, which would state that it's not been put through a photo editor such as Photoshop, so should have prefaced that uh, as well. Uh, so this is basically, it's an illusion, and it fools a lot of people. Uh, it's actually based on 
one of my favorite illusions of all time. If you've listened to the show over the years, you've heard me talk about this a number of times. Pepper's Ghost, my absolute favorite thing, uh, deals with ghosts, basically. Uh, if you've been to Disney World, you've been to Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion, one of the coolest places. I would go just to walk through that. Uh, if you've seen this, you're riding the little car around. You see the, the like the ballroom, and you see the ghosts dancing around. That is Pepper's ghost. Uh, the ghosts seem to move in an empty room. They're transparent. And, you know, things change. And you're like, whoa, they're gone. Whoa, they're there. Whoa, they're gone. Whoa, they're there. Well, they're not really there. Uh, they're merely reflections of light from glass. And it gives you, uh, the viewer, the illusion that there's transparent figures uh, dancing about right in front of you. Um, so this effect was popularized by, I think it's been about 160 years now. Is my math right? 159. 1862. Yeah, that's 159. I hope so. Well, it looks silly. Um, so about 160 years by John Henry Pepper. So if you're unfamiliar, if you've never seen it, you, you probably have seen it. Or you, you kind of have an idea. So teleprompters work on the same basic premise. They show words that seemingly float in front of the camera. Um, you know, off the they have like a piece of plastic, the light shines on it, so people see the the uh, the words. Um, one of the more famous and recent things: uh, Tupac and Michael Jackson appear at concerts long after their deaths. This was done by a uh, kind of a new type of uh, Pepper's Ghost, but very similar uh, basic premise. So she uh, she did something cool and didn't even know it. Uh, I don't think there's hoaxing on this. I think she legitimately had no idea uh, what this photograph was. And I would say it's something inside of the vehicle. What it is, though, I, I haven't figured out. But uh, you can't trust it, and you can't... You can't say, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it is a UFO. It was taken inside of a car through glass. You got a lot of stuff going on there. So it's you, you pretty much just toss it on the floor at this point. And uh, that's that. So uh, one other story I was looking at, uh, was going to talk about, but uh, kind of solved itself. It's really not even worth talking about, but I'll mention it since I got a couple minutes here. Uh, that haunted guitar story. Did you guys hear about this? The uh, guitar was uh, for sale. It's an acoustic guitar for sale for $666 plus $66.60 shipping. And I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird story. So I'm like a lot of guys. I like guitars. I have an acoustic guitar. I have a, a bass. I uh, really want a regular electric guitar, to be honest. Actually, I'd love to have an acoustic electric. It's my dream to have a, an acoustic electric. Anyway, um, I can't play to save my life, but uh, I still enjoy guitars. And they're saying that there's uh, no identifiable thing on this guitar. I think that's how they're trying to say this guitar is from the 70s, because I don't think it is. Um it's a six-string, so it's a satanic six-string acoustic guitar that purportedly killed a teenager, a 13-year-old boy, by electrocution in 1979. Even though it's an acoustic, you don't plug it in. So how did he get electrocuted? I don't know. It could be a Gibson. I don't know. I have a Honer guitar uh, acoustic Sounds pretty good when it's tuned correctly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I saw this pop up, and a lot of people were talking about it. And I was going to go check it out. Uh, but I started doing a little research on the story, and a familiar name popped up who uh, swooped in and bought this thing. Of course, Las Vegas' own Zach Bagans uh, bought the guitar. He paid the uh, $666 for the $66.60 shipping. Uh, so the guitar is uh, on its way, or it's in. It's probably still on its way uh, to Las Vegas, and uh, he's going to probably tear it apart trying to play it. Probably break all the strings. Uh, it is what it is. I think he got duped, to be honest. 
Uh, but he's the, he's that kind of guy. He's going to buy those uh, those kind of listings like the uh, the uh, was it uh, cheese sandwich that that had uh, Mother Teresa on it. I don't know. That was crazy. But anyway, yeah, that's it. That's your week in the paranormal news. Yeah, it is a little weak. I get it. Uh, but uh, hopefully we're waiting for that big story to break. And I do have my eye on a couple of stories that we talked about earlier this year, uh, waiting to see if anything breaks on those. But for the meantime, yeah, stay safe. Again, tomorrow, happy St. Patrick's Day. Stay safe. Don't get injured. Uh, have one for me. Have a green one on or for me, not on me. I can't afford that. And I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck, and always keep your mind open, or at least slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>